0: Uh, I would say this role is not a role that want to make white people feel guilt and shame. We don't believe guilt and shame is from God. It's not a role to push the majority culture out of their leadership position so all women and people of color can be in leadership. This is a role that how do we live out the biblical call and the biblical mandate for the Church of Jesus Christ? Um and I will even use our language. How do we become that caring community that's passionate about sharing Christ with others? That's what we, we want people to know. We are just as committed as uh, help fulfilling God's great commission as anybody in the organization. We believe Jesus is the only hope for the world.
1: Welcome to listener, a Crew Podcast, Platforming thought leaders across the organization. Today's episode features Gwen and Daryl Smith, directors of Crew's Oneness and Diversity team. Enjoy the show. Well, I wonder if you could just start, Gwen and Daryl, by telling us what was the genesis of the Crew Oneness and Diversity team? Well,
2: it really started coming out of Crew 17 and 19. Crew 15 and 17, I'm sorry, um, when we had a lot of talk, you know, just about um, ethnicity, race, um, how it has affected um, uh, the church, how it's affected our nation. And uh, coming, you know, into it, you know, as we kind of were processing, you know, after the the different meetings, a lot of people were trying to figure out what were the best. Ways to continue the conversations. What was it that we needed to do? And one of the things that we realized that as the organization was that um, that it needed focus. The conversation needed focus. That people trying to do a full time job and then continue to create space to have these conversations. It just wasn't really moving us forward. And so they um, realized that we needed to create a role where we can have someone to lead it and also to give it focus. And so that was how we ended up being in this role.
1: Now, I looked at your most recent newsletter and read about your team's mission and vision and plan, and I I noticed that your promise is fostering an environment where everyone, regardless of his or her ethnicity, age, or gender, feels loved, respected, and valued, and has an opportunity to live out their missional calling. So this goes beyond race and ethnicity, right? You've included some other categories there. Can you tell us about that?
0: Yes, Sam, I think one of the things that we realize when you look in the scripture and the scripture is the the scriptures the foundation um, that God it do something unique in uh, crew we call it a caring community that' passionate about sharing Christ with others. In that community, it's made up not of just different ethnic groups but different gender generation rural southern northern that god uniquely take a group of men and women put his holy spirit in them, and that community that's diverse proclaim as the book of ephesians say the unsearchable riches of jesus christ and it was a according to god's eternal plan and purpose carried out in christ jesus and so when we look at diversity we we want to be true to the scripture yes there's ethnic diversity but there's gender diversity, there's generational diversity, there's different opinions and different perspectives, uh, diverse opinions and diverse perspectives. And so what are the things that keep the body of Christ from being one? If it's God's heart, that the gospel that saves us is also the gospel that unite us. What's keeping us from being united as as believers and following Jesus Christ? Uh as uh, and it says in the promise, living out our mission or call, because we all have a mission or call from God.
1: So the other element I noticed from your newsletter was that you referred to three big rocks that are part of your focus. And those three big rocks are leadership, culture and MPD. So can you give us a State of the Union on where you are with those three big rocks?
2: So with the MPD, I'll start there. Um, We have what we call the the Ethnic Minority Fund that was started also out at CSU a few years ago, uh, where staff had an opportunity to give toward uh, this particular fund to help ethnic minorities, not only uh, to be able to uh, give them a a head start or a jump start in coming on staff, but also how do they continue to maintain that support because the realities of the MPD is that there are are not— There are not a lot of resources in the ethnic minorities' communities. And so, what do we need to do to help uh, to be able to keep our staff on? So from that fund, one of the things that has been— has taken place is that now they allow um, it to come under O&D, so that we can begin to steward it and and find the best place for it. Um, That part is still in the newest phase, because there is a transition that is still taking place from where it was originally sitting. Uh, Jermaine Chapman is uh, leading pretty much those efforts in that, along with Chris Pratt, who is working with him, as we are trying to figure out how to best steward it, what do we need to do to make sure that all of our staffs are having the best opportunity to be able to live out their calling? Go ahead,
0: Yeah, and I would take leadership. Um, One of the things we have noticed is that, you know, really because of historical uh, patterns and historical facts of a nation that has had an effect on the Church of Jesus Christ, as much as we don't want to acknowledge that, that's our present reality. And in America, because of the construct, leaders was usually majority culture males. So when you talk about leadership, you're usually talking about majority culture males, not even majority culture women. And so there's a bias, especially against people of color, that throughout history, we are not leaders. We cannot be doctors, lawyers, quarterbacks, and the list go on. And so how do we focus on identifying men and women of color uh, and women in general who God has whose God is raising up what are the biases in the organization that keep us from even identifying them and then creating a, a, a leadership pipeline where they can be developed to live out and be a part of help fulfilling the great commission in their generation And so in that leadership is important. we believe that the, that the kingdom of God is built one leader at a time. So how do we have a diverse leadership uh, pool of people who can live out their mission or call without having to assimilate and give up who God created them to be?
2: So, the culture, um, one of the things we realized, we know that Crew uh, was established uh, back in the early 50s, 1951 to be exact. And the culture back then was it's where you saw. you know, white uh, men get up, go to work. Uh, a lot of times women had the opportunity to stay home, raise the family. And that was the culture that the organization was built on. And so if you move 70 years later, it's totally it has totally changed because now you have a lot more women who have gone to college, who are educated, and who also want to be a part of 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 what God is doing in the organization. They come on staff, not just, again, to have the opportunity to raise family and they're grateful for, but also, you know, what gifts that uh, God has given them that they are allowed to use within the organization. And so one of the things that we're trying to do is we're help trying to change the culture. Um, And by doing that, a lot of times, it's just kind of helping to bring forward some of the systems and different things that, you know, people are just used to working around to see what is actually keeping us from getting there. And so right now, we're just kind of in that phase where we're just really trying to show some of these systems and what the culture looks like and where we want the culture to go. So it's still a work in progress. Everything is a work in progress because the role is just over a year old. So everything is still new. Um, We spent the first year really just building relationship. And so we've just gotten into the implementation phase of how we want this to look.
1: So, Daryl, I'm glad that you brought up when you were talking about leadership. You brought up just the historical realities of race and ethnicity relations in our country, and this February is Black History Month. So, there's been some conversations going on on our internal crew boards about what has Black History been like within crew, and I saw someone post and say that. Through your team, through the Oneness and Diversity effort, Crew has shown people of color um, that there's a commitment to ethnic diversity, and but that before true ministry oneness and ethnic diversity, there must be recognition of Black history within Crew. I wondered if you could comment on that.
0: Yeah, I and, and Gwen and I, we are encouraged. Uh, we have uh, the privilege to be in the room with the leaders to hear their heart and also hear the challenges of, of turning a big ship like uh, Crew uh, in the U.S. and having to deal with the historical part of, of the organization. Sam, one way I said, there's no American history without Black history. Black history is American history. There's no way to get around it. So to ignore what have happened in our nation and that has had an effect on Crew and not to acknowledge that men and women who was brought here in the end game was to remove all their dignity, to to, to dehumanize them to the place where they would they feel that they're second-class uh, citizens. Now with the gospel, not with legislation, with the gospel, all men are truly created in, in the image of God. Let us create men in the image of God. And so in crew. Crew is acknowledging that there was a mess in our nation. Do it mean that all our founding fathers was bad men? No. The Bible makes it clear: remember your leaders, consider their lifestyle, imitate their faith. So there was men and women who had great faith, but they also had things in their lifestyle that the scripture never asked us to imitate, just to imitate their faith, told us to consider it. And so, crew is doing a a, a great job. Brian Stevens uh, talk about the narrative of racial differences. That in America, we wrote a narrative that we are different because of race. Race is a social construct, meaning that it's not a biblical, God-created thing. Man-created race in in North America to give. One group of people are an advantage, and another group of people are disadvantages. And so, um, American history is to remember uh, the dignity of men and women who helped build this country, who pioneered and co labor, and went against a system that was put in place that people of color, especially African Americans, would not have the opportunity. And Samantha, not just to, to get the American dream but in the church of Jesus Christ, wouldn't even have the opportunity to, to live out their God-given ability and the call that God has on their life.
1: So can you share more about Black History Month? Is this something that's significant to you and why and how do you observe it? And how does Crew observe it or how? what opportunity is there for us to observe it?
2: So, I would say, um, I I think uh, observing Black History Month is very important. Um, Should it be observed every day of the year? Yes, because people have made an impact to create this great nation that we live in. But to take one month out to be able to recognize people who had given their lives for this country, uh, to help build this country, to fall fight for the rights of human beings to have rights in this country. And so um, I I think on Dr. Martin Luther King, because, you know, one is because he was a a pastor, he was a reverend, and he not only just fought to give people voices, but he, again, used the Word of God to show why that we were all uh, one in Christ and how we as a body should be able to come together. And so it's very important that we recognize and crew recognize this voice who was one of us as a part, a part of God's body was reaching out to the church saying, hey, let's come together, let's do this. And so now we as the body can continue, and especially during this month, continue to reaching out across racial lines, racial differences, and say, yeah, we want to continue what he started. Because the truth is, is during that time, a lot of churches were silent, um, you know, crew was around during that time, but you just don't hear about it. Where were they? Where were, where did they stand in these matters? But to be able to stand up and say, yeah, we missed it then, but we want to get it right now. And here is a way that we can do that, and that's by celebrating. Uh, we had an opportunity um, this, uh, this month— uh, uh, well, last month, to celebrate Dr. King's birthday, uh, again, which was coming right up on Black History Month. And again, you know, several staff members were able to come and be a part of a great celebration. So we're seeing uh, the organization definitely take strides into, you know, some areas that we missed before, but saying now we want to join hands together with all of our brothers and sisters, especially if we want to become what we, you know, that have that desire to become that de- diverse family that we keep saying we want to. What what are some things that we need to do? And here is one step that I feel like we're taking, and that's by recognizing the people who have gone before us um, and, have, again, given lives and all of that to be able to worship together, pray together, work together in all of this.
0: Yeah, and I think one of the things we could do, again, we don't have to try to figure America out. We could talk about do black history in the church. Who are some of the black scholars and theologians, uh, the Tom Skinners, and we can go on and on, who have played a part of help filling God's great commission, that African-Americans, blacks have had played a part. But even in our own organization, how do we highlight the Tom Fritz and who pioneered and in the, in, in, in the uh, Charles, Charles Gilmore, the Rebecca Gilmore. uh, James White and his wife Cynthia and the Robinsons who are in Detroit where here's life in the city the Crawfords and Karen Loretts, and also there's Latinos and, and Asians, the Margaret Hughes uh, of the ministry. How do we highlight their contribution to help fulfilling the Great Commission? Because this is about the gospel and what God is doing. And so when we highlight black history, we want to highlight it in light of the Church of Jesus Christ. And we'll throw a Rosa Parks parts so- in there too. And-
1: you had to throw good. yeah, throw Rosa Parks in there too. I like that. Well, we do think beyond crew though, right? I mean we think about our we think about college students, we think about like-minded um, believers or like-minded but unengaged. We think about um, all of our ministry partners. So when we think in that context beyond crew in in the context of oneness and diversity, for instance, I'm in the campus ministry. Is pursuing oneness and Diversity an opportunity to connect with students and people beyond the organization? I mean, it seems like it's something that's on the hearts of a lot of people in America, not just within Crew.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think one of the things that we have to be able to teach from the Scripture, that oneness and Diversity is not a sidekick to the gospel. It is the gospel. That when you look in the Scripture, you see the proclamation of God's love, and I think the church have done a great job in proclaiming that God love you. Where we are falling short in the gospel, and there's scripture, Sam, that we can take you to and show you, that if we're gonna be true to the gospel, then the gospel is the proclamation of God's love and the demonstration of God's love. And I think crew God have a steward, have given us a stewardship in helping fulfilling the Great Commission. We have influence and impact the larger body of Christ. We can lead out in God's heart for the gospel that proclaims the love of God, but also shows an expression of God's love or a demonstration of God's love. And I think there's even believers, to be honest, who don't even see it that way. And King and I can even get their arms around. It. But we see in scripture that God just don't want us to proclaim that Jesus loves you, He wants us to demonstrate it. And that's not a new concept. Our founder talked about it. He didn't call it, the, you know, he called it the spirit-filled life. I call it the gospel or the Christ life. The gospel is not a presentation it's a person. We are presenting Jesus to lost people, but every day you and I have the privilege of experiencing the gospel. And the gospel and the, and the, the Holy Spirit do empower us to be witnesses, but that's not the end game. The, the Holy Spirit empowers to be witnesses, but the Holy Spirit also empowers us to love one another. And in the church throughout history probably have focused more on the proclamation of the gospel, not the demonstration of the gospel.
1: Well, and this goes back to the Imago Day, doesn't it?
0: Yes, I would totally agree.
1: So can you tell us more about I know that you've been in this role for one year and you've been building relationships and putting together your plan. And can you tell us more about what you're working on right now and what you're thinking about for the next year or so?
2: So right now, the the biggest thing that we've probably been working on is you go back to uh, the leadership pipeline that Daryl talked about a little bit earlier. Um, we had an SLI group Um, for the Action Learning Challenge worked on what kind of uh, leadership pipeline can we create to give uh, people of color an opportunity to get in a place so that when crucial roles, um, missional roles, become available, that they are ready to at least be considered, not always guaranteed for a role, but to at least be considered. And so that has probably been our biggest focus as we've uh, started into this school year is making sure that we're aligning and getting the right people in place to help make sure that this happens. So I think that's kind of where we've had a lot of our focus. Yeah, and I agree. I think another one,
0: Gwen and, and, and Tara Brady, is putting a team together to look at biases, conscious and unconscious. We all have biases. They, they. Some of them are conscious. Some of them are unconscious. And when you think about the fulfilling of the Great Commission, or you think about the scope of the Great Commission, the language we use, what the scripture use, is every. If we're going to go out to every, we have to acknowledge that we have biases, conscious and unconscious, that keep us from going out to every. And so, we want to look at. How do we create bias training that will help all of us, not just majority culture, but everybody who bring their culture biases into the kingdom of God? We see it with Peter in Acts 10. Peter is a believer. He's part of the early church. The Holy Spirit ministered to him or uh, encouraged him to go talk to uh, Cornelius. Because of the culture bias, Peter didn't even want to go. He didn't want to take the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, to to Cornelius because he was a Gentile and Gentiles was unclean and they didn't touch Gentiles. And the Holy Spirit did a work in his life. So those are the couple things that we really want to focus on, the leadership pipeline and a training that will allow all of us to see the biases we have that keep us from fulfilling God's great. Of Keep us from help fulfilling God's great commission to every person that they would know Jesus and able to make him known.
1: I liked that biblical example of, um, I guess, unconscious bias. What What would be an example of conscious and unconscious cultural bias that maybe someone like me wouldn't be aware of?
2: Oh, do you have something right off, Daryl? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I might have a grocery list. No, I'm just so kidding.
1: It could be something I already de- did or said in this interview. Go ahead.
0: Well, I think how we view leadership, the way leaders think, there's a bias unconsciously about who's a good leader, leadership profile, leadership, you know, what a leader brings, And so, but that bias can also be, unconscious because growing up, there was things that were said uh, about people of color, that they're not good enough, they're not smart enough, they're not educated enough to be leaders. And so if I'm a supervisor in the organization and we as an organization is praying that God raise up leaders, uh, just raise up staff that are ethnic minority, they come on my team and I don't even give them the benefit of the doubt. And I don't know that I'm not giving them the benefit of the doubt. I'm unconsciously already saying, oh, they can't do it, they can't do it. And they don't get the grace or the opportunity to grow and be developed because of my bias, conscious or unconscious against them.
1: Okay, that makes sense. So I wanna go back to what you were saying about, I know MLK Day, that was a big event at headquarters that sort of kicked off Black History Month. I don't know if that was intentionally what it was doing, but it seemed placed well for that. What are other ways that we can tell the stories, for instance, during Black History Month um, about Black staff uh, and celebrate them? I mean, is this something that could end up on StaffWeb or Crew.org or just what are other ways to platform those kind of stories?
2: I would say one way is... is you know, just acknowledging um, our staff, and I wouldn't just say our black staff; all of our staff, really, because all of our staff are working very hard to impact uh, the organization to to really bring um, people to to Christ. And so, and we're you know we're using we're able to use crew as a. a a tool, you know, to be able to get the gospel out there to the world and so acknowledging and being a part of, you know, going into one of the things I, I try to encourage our Majority Culture staff is 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 becoming the minority sometimes just go into spaces where you may feel uncomfortable and just learning um, just following and going along and being a part of the staffs, engaging in their lives not so much that they can just, you know, sit down and, and educate you on how to be a Latino or uh, African-American or Asian or whatever, but just learning and being uncomfortable sometimes and just sitting in it. And that is the best way, you know, for them them to learn about other cultures is it's putting themselves—and I would say becoming the uh, minority in those spaces. Um, also, when our ethnic minority staff are, you know, succeeding and doing great, you know, how do we actually, you know, bring it to the forefront so that people can see? Because a lot of times, you know, they can do something great and nobody ever says it. And then that's why you never see them in the, you know, getting chosen for these leadership opportunities or whatever, because no one ever knows about it. But what are ways that we can make sure that, hey, this person is doing a great job here and what, you know, whether it's in a newsletter or, and I'm not just saying a picture just to, you know, to make your newsletter look like it's diversity, but actually talking about what these, these uh, people may be doing to really help doing that. So being able to be creative and finding ways um, to acknowledge what our ethnic minority staff are doing.
0: Yeah, and I would say we already have the culture. When you think about the Legacy Project, so we have things in the culture that we are doing, um, I want to go back to the Hebrews patches, and so it say, remember our leaders we talk about the Paul Eschmans who started Jesus for him or took Jesus for him, the faith and so we remember leaders we talk about our founding father Dr. Brighton, rightly so the Steve Douglases and the Steve Sellers, and the different people, the Bailey Mark's and we should, because the scriptures say remember your leaders consider their lifestyle, imitate their faith. We talk about their faith. Well, if it's Black History Month, what envision that we remember the staff, the, the, the ones who have gone before us, not everything they did was right in their lifestyle like any of us, but we want to imitate their faith. And taking a project like the, Leg- the Legacy Project and highlighting and, and putting those things away and then Black History Month, Once a week, just put one out on the staff web. In honor of Black History Month, we want to remember their faith. Uh, It's as simple as that. So culturally, we already remember our leaders, so that's not like that's a thing that we don't do. But how do we highlight Black History Month? then when it's Latino time or Native Americans, how do we just highlight that? And I know some people say, yeah, but what if we say, let's just highlight our white staff? Well, here's the reality. White is the norm, and we highlight them anyway. <laughs> you know, 12 months out of a that's year. Right, that's right. And that's not a bad yeah, thing, yeah. so we have to be intentional. So let's keep highlighting our founders and the men and women who gone before us out of the majority culture. But let's create a community with the scriptures say that is diverse, that there's two groups of people, Jews and Gentiles. And the gospel has enough power to take out that deep-rooted ha- hatred. The scripture call it the enmity that we, they had against each other. That's deep-rooted hatred. That's the power of the gospel. And the world needs to see that, according to John 17.
1: That's good. I liked what you said about letting, if you're a majority culture staff, like me, letting myself just go into situations where I'm the minority and letting myself just feel uncomfortable that doesn't right off the bat feel like anything productive to me, but really maybe it's the most productive thing I could do is just feel. What is that like if I'm the minority? Right. Yeah, good. Yeah. did you
0: talk about navigating I those will.
1: spaces? Yeah, um, yeah.
2: I, was, I, I would say that because, again, one, I think it helps majority culture understand what we as ethnic minorities live in every day when we come to work, when we go to the grocery store, when we just go, you know, wherever we go. Um, we're always, you know, having to, to be in those spaces. And also those spaces, a lot of times, they become the norm. So are they uncomfortable? Not as much because we learn to navigate these spaces, we know what we can, society has taught us how we're supposed to act, what we're supposed to do, um, how we talk when we get in these spaces. And uh, Daryl was mentioning, you know, I've been doing a, a talk called uh, Brown Faces Navigating White Spaces. And so what it is, again, is to help our majority culture staff understand uh, what are some of the realities that people of color deal with when they walk into these spaces. For them, a lot of times, it's just, it's the norm, you you know, it's okay, we're not going to bite you kind of thing, you're fine, but not realizing that there is a lot of internal things at play when we go into these spaces that we know we have to deal with and how we wrestle with them. And so I've been going around kind of teaching that, trying to help uh, our majority culture staff and inside crew and outside just understand what the realities that people of color have to face when they're navigating these white spaces.
1: Now, Gwen, is that something that we can access online as a resource, that talk that you give?
2: It it will be after today. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <It> was- <laughs> I do have it I just don't know if it's actually been placed on the web yet but I mean okay. as okay. people have asked me for it I've sent it to them so I, I don't have a problem with people getting access to it
0: and I'm, I'm praying that she would do it out at CSU as one of the uh, seminars that staff can come to and be able to ask questions and, and have good healthy godly conversations around something that is dear to God's heart
1: yeah, that'd be good. Well, let's talk a little bit about, um, I know that, so your team is not just about uh, ethnic diversity. It's also about gender and age. Now, age, that seems like one that can be particularly complex because we do have such a broad um, spectrum of age, ages in our, uh, the staff in our ministry. And with technology changing so fast and trying to uh, communicate in ways that all of our staff can hear, how, tell me about that challenge.
0: Yeah, to be honest, Sam, we haven't spent a lot of time in it. Dave Sanders is, is, is focusing on it. But here's what Gwen and I believe, the reason we wanted to be in diversity, because you do need to be able to raise up young, gifted, talented staff but not at the expense of pushing all the seniors out. And there's something about men and women who are broken before God, and you don't learn that in a seminar. You get that through failure, mistakes, disappointments, when you have walked with the Lord 30, 40 years. So how do we create diverse environments where there's seasoned experience, broken men and women, and young gifted men and women coming into space together, and bringing that diverse way of seeing things uh, together. But we haven't done a lot with it. Uh, Dave Sanders, we met with him once. Uh, We have been consumed and overwhelmed and just tied up with the first one. Do it, have done a little bit in the women. There are uh, are some people focusing on the women culture, but Dave Sanders is focusing on that uh, generation. But we believe to be true to the scripture that would there need to be a focus on diverse when it comes to generation, not pushing people out and not and at the same time giving younger staff the opportunity to lead and have a voice at the table.
2: And our desire also is as we look at these three areas. Um, just because it takes so much to get them up and going, it does. It feels like the focus is in one place. But what we want to do is, we do hope that it gets to a place where they can all sit together. Because what we don't want to happen is for them to compete with one another. And the women saying, "Oh, all they're only uh, crews, only focusing on ethnic, mi- you know, minorities," or the, or, you know, the uh, aging staff are saying, "Oh, they're just only talking about the women's thing or whatever." But we need people, again, who's giving it that lift, but some kind of way. How do we begin to bring them all together so that we can make sure that all of them are getting focused, In, in although they're all in different lanes?
0: Yeah, the Bible call it unity or one is the, sec- the secular world call it inclusion.
1: I love that that focus on recruiting young dynamic staff but not at the expense of our older seasoned wise staff who have walked through so much life and so much ministry sometimes i think that is a uh, something in my majority culture culture that's missing is sort of keeping that connection and creating those diverse spaces with age but I heard recently about a campus uh, where there's a crew presence, a brand new campus in near my where I live, where there was a retired pastor living across the street from this campus who really wanted to connect some of his friends from a retirement home across the street with some of these students for discipleship. And now that's actually coming to fruition. And so I just think that's such a beautiful thing for these seasoned, wise believers to enter into these discipleship relationships with our students. Isn't that cool? That's very
0: cool. Let them come with their flip phones. Oh, that's okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, well, Gwen and Daryl, we. Listeners, We love resources. And so you've mentioned a couple different resources, but I would love to hear from you. What are things that we could be reading or websites we could be going to that would just help us in our quest for oneness and diversity?
2: So we generally start with, especially for coming from the Christian um, setting, we start with uh, divided by faith. Um, I don't know the authors right offhand. Justin Smith and. But we have Google. People can find it. Divided by Faith. Uh, uh, White Awake. Daniel Hill. Um, uh, Insider, Outsider. Brian, Brian Loritz. Yeah. White Fragility. Uh, Robin D'Angelo. Some of the documentaries that. Um, we are, we talk about is 13th. Uh, people can find on Netflix. Uh, we talk about race, the power of an illusion, which is, uh, it's not on Netflix, but you can get it through like your local library, uh, rent it through some lo- local library and places like that. It's three parts, uh, but that's a great one also. Another book is Warmth of Other Suns. Um, the author's not in my head right now, but people Talking can find about it. The Great Migration. Yeah, um, those are the ones that are just off the top of my head. That's a great start. I think Daryl has some more.
0: You know the documentary with the guy.
2: Oh, um, uh, many many rivers to cross uh, is another um, documentary um, that uh, people can find. I think that one is on Netflix. Many many rivers to cross. Um, For women... Um, again, and maybe just because it's one of my favorite movies, but I love hit, Hidden Figures because I think it, it says a lot where we're going into, because when, when I talk about and especially when I talk about the brown faces, I reference that movie because I, you know, when I'm doing it to women a lot of times, I even try to get them to really watch the dynamic of just the women, all the women, you know, the white, the African American, in the movie, and just knowing that here are some some real dynamics, so that's an, that's just a movie that I, I like to reference as well, and it's a great movie. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, those are the ones I can think of, Sam, right off the top of my head, but um, we are kind of in the process as we're building. Uh, there are, of course, a lot more that we just, you know, haven't uh, tapped into some, and some that we're still, like I said, just trying to get in a place where people can just go straight to the website and pull it up.
1: Yeah, you mentioned Brian Stevenson's work, too, at one point.
0: Yes, I think you could just YouTube him, and he's going to have a lot of stuff talking about the narrative of racial difference. He's going to talk about how slavery didn't end in 1865, how it evolved into the Jim Crow sharecropping, to mass incarceration. Uh, What's the name of his book? Uh, uh, Just Mercy. He have a book out called Just Mercy. We would recommend
2: that. And then there's, um, and the, uh, I'm to the, why them. are all the black... Uh,
0: oh, why are all the black kids sitting together? In the
2: cafeteria. cafeteria? <laughs> um, that's another one.
1: Gwen and Daryl, can you tell us, being on the Oneness and Diversity team, how is this, or is this, personal for you? As people of color growing up in America, having worked in CREW for over 20 years, What is it like to be leading this oneness and diversity team?
0: I think some of the hits we take are personal. (laughs) And we're trying to grow past that. I think, you know, people say, wow, y'all are passionate about oneness and diversity because you are people of color. And I say, no, we are passionate about unity because we are believers and followers of Jesus Christ. We are no more passionate about oneness and diversity than we are about evangelism. discipleship uh, uh, of movements everywhere Um, so yes it do has an effect on us but Gwen and I are not black Christians we are Christians who happen to be black and we do have a historical context and a historical reality in a nation that that discrimination and systematic injustice and and those things were put in place, that narrative racial difference, that we was different because of our skin color. We believe that the scripture says there are, there is no difference. And then he tells us why. Because we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so we want to stay true to the scripture. Gwen and I love the scripture. We're passionate about God's word and about God's truth. And so Satan is the father of all lies. And the only thing that all says said error is truth. And so we want to help the body of Christ who have been affected by America's system of the narrative of racial differences. We want to help bring the body back to the truth of the gospel.
2: And I would add to that is that as we um, continue to go out and we're sharing this gospel, we're running into generations who don't view the church as really a safe place. Um, because they're seeing uh, the hypocrisy, you know, in the body. They're, they're seeing the segregation and, and, and no unity. And they're seeing um, how the church, are, how we're bringing in our political views, and they're taking forefront over the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so what our heart is, is how can we help an organization get to the place that we can, um, again, be examples to— the world. I mean, if we start with what we have. And, you know, if it, if it takes crew to be that example to the world, uh, this is what Christ has called us to be like and to look like, that unity that he's called us to, you know, we want to be a part of doing that. And yeah, it takes, as Daryl said, we've we've taken some hits and it, it you know, it's, some things are painful that is said because people you know, for whatever reason they think we're doing it, uh, it's not certainly not because we've gotten a raise or anything like that, you know. We, we, trust me, it's only because we want to align with the heart of Christ. And so, um, yeah, so we really want to help the organization get to that place and be that example to the world of how we can look at, like, one body. And I would close with this— um, to, to get this, you know, begin to, on on this path of it, we believe that it starts with awareness. And the three awareness, we say the first one is aware of God's heart. Um, John 17, uh, 23, somewhere down in there. Aware of our own heart. Uh, the verse, uh, Psalms 139, uh, 23, 24, I think. Um, how do we become aware of what's what's keeping us from that unity? And then the last one is is becoming more aware of history um we've all learned some type of history in school we believe it was a watered down history and and our verse for that is uh is the second corinthians first First corinthians chapter 10. 10 uh verse six um how do we we remember history and so that we don't repeat and do some of the same things so that would be my encouragement it's becoming aware